So if you were uh, with us last summer, we did a series in Romans um, during the summer. We kind of, not necessarily like, we didn't, we didn't go like verse by verse, but we, we kind of attacked all the different things and themes that, that Paul brought out to kind of give a, a sense for uh, what Romans has to say. Well, this summer we're going to be in Philippians, which is another uh, letter from the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're, we're calling the series letters from our lessons from lockdown because, uh, as we'll see today, Paul uh, has he's in lockdown and, uh, and he's he's um, and he's ministering from lockdown. So let me let, let's let's just start by reading the text and then uh, we have I have some questions for you guys and then uh, maybe we can see uh, something very odd about Paul's lockdown that's very different. <laughs> I think, from ours. So let's read this together. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me have actually advanced the gospel. The whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else knows that I'm in prison for Christ, and most of the brothers and sisters, have been, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some certainly preach Christ with jealous and competitive motives, but others preach with good motives. They're motiv- motivated by love. Because they know that I'm put here to give a defense of the gospel. The others preach Christ because of their selfish ambition. They're insincere, hoping to cause me more pain while I'm in prison. What I think about this? Well, just this. Since Christ is proclaimed in every possible way, whether from dishonest or true motives, so I rejoice and I'll continue rejoicing. Now, this, this, obvi- this obviously isn't the very beginning of the letter, but, it, but this, is the, this is Paul's very first major thought. In the letter, and uh, and 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 it's it's important for us to get this because right here in this we're going to get the the kind of the, the the driving force of what Paul's doing in Philippians and the driving force of what we can be doing as we are in and emerging from lockdown. So uh, Ryan Gates has a has, he's going to have a a a, a um, a mic here. I just like to ask you a question. So for me, the lockdown has, people ask me, how's your lockdown going? I'm like, well, it's all right. You know, it's okay. I'm not mad, not miserable, but I'm also not like super happy either. It's just kind of meh. There's good things and bad things about it. And it's caused me to think back about the times in my life that were actually joyful, like truly joyful. Because really the last, you know, three months that there's been like little sparks of, of joy, but a lot of it's just been like dissatisfaction. So, anybody here, young, old, anywhere in between, give us an example of one of the most joyful times in your life. And if you're uh, with us online and you're in the live chat, you also can, uh, can share your, your, one of the more joyful times in your life. Anybody, anybody. Children? No? Evie? Definitely not. Okay, good. You're my go-to, Evie. All right, here we go, yeah. So on Tuesdays, my husband is a teacher, and he takes my kids to school, and then he brings them home, and I have 10 hours to myself. <laughs> Absolutely. That's been lost. Lost in the lockdown. Time to, yeah, no, it's, it is a joyful moment. It's good. Uh, somebody else? I think Zozo's over here. Ryan got Zozo. Look at Ryan in his, in his gloves. He's protecting you. On my birthdays, when all my friends would come and celebrate with me. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, birthdays are a very joyful time. Uh, I hate birthdays, and if you celebrate my birthday, I'll be mad. But most people like birthdays because, yeah, it's a, you get to be with your people and the people who love you, and you get to celebrate. It's a good one. Anybody else? 
Oh, we got uh, Katie right here. We got Katie. We got Ty. Yeah. What's that? When we got married. Oh, that was super sappy, but also true, right? Because it's like this moment in life where, uh, where the, the, something brand new takes place. That's a great one. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, Ty. Uh, I was hospitalized for like two months, and uh, she told me I was going to have a boy. That's a good one. Yeah, you find it. Oh, wow. That's, that's a great one. What a moment when you, uh, yeah, find out that you're, uh, you're pregnant. That's good. Um, very cool. Well, oh, oh, we got one here. My father, sweet Dave. Today, Joyce and I are celebrating 40 years of marriage. I've been around for 39 of them. That's what makes it so joyful. Well, yeah, uh, and now notice the, 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 what's similar here with all these examples of joy. I mean, new life, right? Pregnancy, um, coming out of illness, uh, marriage, um, birthdays and celebration. All those things are the things that bring joy to us, right? Those are the things that, that create joy in our lives. Well, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul also had something that created a whole lot of joy in his life. Um, and I got a picture of him. This is Rembrandt's version of the Apostle Paul here on the screen. It's kind of hard to see. It's dark. Rembrandt, uh, the Dutch master, has his, his vision of Paul is Paul is a very sad, morose, broken man. And the reason for that, the reason for that in Rembrandt's notion is that uh, a lot of Paul's letters are written from prison. And Philippians is written from prison. It's, it's, he's probably right around 62, 63 AD. He's about to die. He's, uh, he's been in prison. He's going to die. They're going to execute him. He knows that's probably going to happen. And he's trying to write letters to people that have been supporting him. And, and, and so Rembrandt thinks about that. And he's like, Paul must have been a really, really miserable dude. There's no joy in life. He's, he's in, gosh, he's in prison. One of the interesting things about Philippians um, is that it, 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 it's actually by far the most joyful book in all of Paul's writings. Uh, and I want to explain why that is. Uh, if you're reading through Philippians and you're, and you're paying attention to uh, the Greek text, you'll notice that Paul uses words that are connected, that have a, what's called the car root. And we can bring that up uh, the next, the car root, uh, C-H-A-R, 17 different times in a, in, a, in a book that's only four chapters long. Um, these are four words that are etymologically related in Greek, and all of them uh, kind of come together in a sense of exuberance, joy, uh, forgiveness, giving, um, and, and they are charis, which is grace, charizomai, which is the verb form of that, like to grace somebody or to freely give somebody something, kara, which means joy, and then kairo, which is the verb form of that, to rejoice, to, when you have joy, what you do, like, like for Zozo, you know, she celebrates with her friends and she blows out the candles, that's rejoice, that's Cairo. Paul uses these terms 17 times in Philippians. Um, the word joy, he uses five times. The, in, in, the all, in all of his writings, this is the most that he uses the word joy. And this is a little tiny book, four chapters. All throughout the book, Paul's constantly talking about joy, grace, exuberance, rejoicing. We saw it in our own text at the very end. I rejoice and I will continue rejoicing. And the dude's in prison. It's the first thing in your note sheets. Paul has more joy in lockdown 
than ever before. This is uh, very true. He's at the end of his life. He's about to die. He's been abused. He's in prison. His lockdown's way worse than ours. And, and he's more joyful than he's ever been. What the heck is going on? Well, just to show you why he shouldn't be happy, let's look at this text again. Look at this. Look at this. He says, uh, he says hey, the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else knows that I'm in prison for Christ. That sounds good, right? Like he's witness to all these guards. If you're, well, does anyone know what the Praetorian Guard is? Does anyone know what the Praetorian Guard is? We got a picture from Gladiator. Remember Quintus? Quintus and Gladiator. He was a Praetorian Guard. Uh, it's interesting. If you pay attention in the movie, you'll notice that he, um, he starts out, he's always wearing clothes that are uh, kind of the, to blend in with whomever he's with. Uh, the reason is that the Praetorian Guard was the, um, the Roman Empire's version of the Stasi, the secret police of uh, Eastern Germany during the Cold War. Uh, the Praetorian Guard were loyal to the emperor only, and it was their job to do his will. They went around, they harassed and terrorized the populace. They were involved in interrogations of uh, prisoners, political prisoners, um, and they were known, they were started out as elite veterans, so they were all combat veterans. They had all seen a whole lot of bloodshed, and if they were known to be some of the most vicious warriors, they were elected into this elite uh, Stasi that was the, the secret service and sort of the secret police of the emperor. <laughs> Not the kind of people you want to be in charge of your jail time. Paul's like, hey, isn't it great? I'm in jail, I'm in prison, and, and I've told all the Praetorian guards who've been interrogating me, beating me. The Philippians are reading this, they're like, oh my gosh. Interesting thing about Philippi, Philippi um, was, a, uh, it was, a, a, for, it was a, a Roman colony that was populated almost entirely by combat veterans. Uh, there, was a big, uh, there was a big battle there that um, Octavius, before he became Augustus, and Mark Antony won. And after they won the battle, securing uh, the Republic into their sort of hands as new emperors, um, they, they gifted all of their veterans, their combat veterans, land in Philippi. And so there was all these ex-soldier uh, farmers. And so they knew who the Praetorian Guards were. When they read this, they were like, what? The Praetorian Guard is, is the one, they're the ones taking care of you? Paul goes on, he's like, hey, and most of the brothers, and most of them, not all of the brethren or brothers and sisters, is other Christians, they're made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. Now dare to speak the word with great boldness, without fear. That's great news, right? Look, Paul's boldness and, and, and confidence has given other people boldness and confidence. What, was, what were they doing beforehand? Why did they need that boldness and confidence? I don't know if you're aware, but uh, in Sri Lanka, over the last, um, you know, about a decade, uh, the church has almost entirely disappeared. The Christian church has almost entirely disappeared because of um, harassment and uh, genocide against Christians um, by the, uh, the rulers. I have a picture of one of their churches here. Uh, when this happens in a culture, when, when, uh, when any religious group becomes persecuted like this, at this level, um, you know, if the secret police, the Stasi are harassing them and, and the other people in the culture are harassing them, uh, the church becomes very quiet. Christians shut up. Because you certainly don't want to be the one who gets your head, you know, up and, and cut off. And so when Paul gets to Rome where he's in prison, he finds that the church there, everyone's terrified. 
They're terrified to, to be honest about who they are and what they're saying. He's surrounded by, from his perspective, cowards. But good news! It's great, guys. So now, they've seen me get interrogated and abused, but they see that I just keep going, and now some of them are getting courageous too. At this point, the Philippians are starting to think, oh, Paul's lost it. He's unhinged. He goes on. More great news. This is so good to hear. Guess what? There's people out there who are preaching Christ with jealous and competitive motives. They preach Christ because of their selfish ambition. They're insincere, and they, they want to cause me more pain while I'm in prison. There's a guy, uh, he's, a, he's a leader guy in Vegas. His name, he calls himself the cool pastor. Look at that guy. Yeah. Like, who, who wouldn't trust that dude? Like, man, what a cool guy. Yeah, he... Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, you know, leader guys in churches are um, just as, maybe even more screwed up than, than everybody else. And, and one of the th- ways that this manifests is that uh, they, they, they sort of have, like, secret competitions with each other to see who's, like, the best at being the leader guy. And, they, you know, they judge each other based on who's got the biggest crew, you know, whose church is, has the best this, and, you know, what they're doing in the community. There, there's all different ways that subtly these people are jostling for position. And, you know, when you're in the game for a while, you start to recognize, gosh, wow, sometimes I feel like maybe we're not actually doing what we're doing for all the right reasons. In fact, I wonder if there's some people out there who are doing what they do to show me up? Paul's like, hey, Philippians, so after the Stasi interrogated me, uh, some other people saw that I was still preaching the gospel, and so they went out, and they've been, they've been doing, like, starting up churches and making them grow, and then they come and they tell me about it and brag to me because I can't get out. And they're like, look at how popular we've become. <laughs> Too bad you're going to die, Paul. And Paul's like, isn't it great? What could be better? So you're looking at this. So you, on the one hand, you are reading this text, and if you're the Philippians, you're like, oh my gosh, he's, in, he's either lost it completely, or he's got something going on that we can't possibly understand, because this is nuts. There's no way he should be this happy. He shouldn't have this much joy. He's, he's probably going to die. So there's something about Paul's joy when he's in prison, in lockdown, that's what? It's unstealable. That's the next thing in your note sheets. It's unstealable. Paul's joy is unstealable. There, it doesn't matter if the, if the Stasi's after him. It doesn't matter if people around him are cowards. It doesn't matter if people are bragging and, 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 and making him feel bad because, because they're off doing amazing things and he's stuck. It doesn't matter. His, his joy is, is real and it can't be taken away. Why? What is going on with Paul? While, while they're setting up, I just, let's just look at this text and see what's going on in Paul's mind. Check this out. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know, the things that have happened have actually advanced the gospel. What? Advanced the gospel. And then look at this. Now the cowards dare to speak the word. And going on, what else does Paul have to say? He's like, look, some are pre- they're preaching Christ. 
jealous motives maybe, but they're preaching Christ. They're, 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 they know there's a defense of the gospel. Others preach Christ. Preach Christ. What do I think about this? Well, since Christ is proclaimed in every possible way, I rejoice. And I'll continue rejoicing. Paul seems to think, and, and he's learned something in his time. At this point, he's been a, a missionary for probably like 30 years. And he's nearing the end of things. And, and pro- when you're an early in your ministry, you, se- you tend to think that a lot of stuff depends on you. Uh, you, if, you're, if you're a leader guy, yeah, let's put those on top of there. If you're, if you're a leader guy, you tend to think that, that well, if I don't do X, Y, or Z, then, then everything's going to fall apart. And Paul probably thought that too early on in his, in his journey. But something's happened. Something has happened to him that has changed his perspective. See, the thing is, uh, when Paul started his ministry, he probably thought that he had to do a really good job. He probably thought that God was depending on him. And then he comes to a point in his life where he's probably in his 60s. He's facing death. He's chained up. He's abused by the Stasi. People are making fun of him and, and bragging about how great their gospel is and how much better they are at being a leader guy than he is. And he looks around and he realizes this gospel is unstoppable. King Jesus is Lord. He's in charge. His word is not going to come back void. It doesn't matter who's doing it or how, or why, the gospel is going to advance. Even if it looks like... And, and, and that for him is joy, because for, for Paul, he's looking and he's realizing the only thing really honestly that matters, when you get right down to it, is eternal life. It's salvation. It's freedom from death and sin. It's all of the, of the promise that is Jesus. And there's nothing anyone can do to slow that down. The gospel is going to win. It is going to be victorious. The whole world, sooner or later, the knee shall bow. The tongue will confess. And Paul sitting there, he's like, if I live or die, Jesus still wins. It's the last thing in your note sheets. Paul's joy is unstable because the gospel is unstoppable. I mean, think about all the obstacles that were in this way. Put more obstacles, put more obstacles. doesn't matter. The gospel goes out. Jesus wins. Oh, and, and so what, when, when, I was, when I was reading Philippians the last couple of weeks, you know, kind of studying it and thinking through uh, where we're headed and all that, I, I, was, I was just shocked. I was shocked because of the massive difference between my own experience of lockdown and Paul's experience of lockdown. My experience of lockdown, hopefully, may be similar to yours. So here's what I've been thinking about during the lockdown. Here are a bunch of things that have been occupying my mind. And probably yours as well. The pandemic. You know, at the, at the very beginning there, I mean, it's gotten a lot better now, but wow, it was really scary. I mean, I don't know if you remember. And then the construction. Uh, you know, this, all this stuff is happening. We have automatic shades and incredible lighting, all paid for, by the way, from generous donations. Um, thank you to those who did it, and thank you to Bill for leading the install. But, you know, trying to make sure that this was all getting done. 
and it was done right and dealing with all that stuff. I, I was so, oh my gosh, it's so important. So important to make sure we get all that right. And then recently, the George Floyd protest, man, I have, I have been glued to trying to figure out what it looks like uh, in this country to, to, see, um, to see justice and reconciliation and healing because, man, it just seems like, it seems like it, everything's gone crazy. I've been, I've been angry. I, man, I've talked to my lawyer more in the last two weeks, three weeks, than I have in the last ten years trying to figure out exactly what we got to do to make sure that we can gather here and do what we do and, and limit our liability and make sure that we are protecting each other and doing things safely. I've been really, really concerned about that. And your well-being, I've been worried about you all because I didn't get to see you and, and our connection has been tenuous and I don't see you week to week to week. And, so I, and then the racial division, I've been occupied. And then the worst of all is the homeschooling with my kids. As Jen said, my, my joy was stolen from me when I didn't have, you know, any hours. Olivia, you know how much fun we had. You hear that? She said she had a horrible time. During this entire, uh, you know, almost three months now, there was only one time I thought about the advance of the gospel. One time. At uh, one of our Friday morning prayer meetings, Lucas um, was thinking about what he was going to be doing during lockdown, and he mentioned, you know, this is an opportunity now to get to know some of our neighbors and possibly, you know, open up conversations that could bring uh, Jesus into their lives. I was like, oh, that's really cool, yeah, and then I just slipped my mind, didn't think about it again. And I'm beginning to wonder if maybe our joy is lacking because during the lockdown, we didn't put that first. Maybe haven't put that first in a long time. Evangelizing, bringing people in, seeing new life, seeing forgiveness, seeing redemption. Introducing people to the true Lord of the world, the one who governs justly, the one who is going to bring peace to all. And I'm wondering if going forward, we can't reset. and rethink and reapply the possibility of evangelism, the possibility of advancing the gospel and seeing it go out, participating with it the way Paul did. And if maybe in that, we might find the joy we've been looking for. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for the example of Paul. No matter the circumstance, I'm always found joy that at the end of his life and in a place of darkness and, and, and violence and oppression, that even in the middle of that, being made fun of and at a loss and interrogated and beaten, that even in the midst of all of that, his joy was greater than it had ever been. Because he saw your gospel go forward, God. I pray we as a community will see your gospel go forward. 
to stop being distracted by all of the things that occupy our attention and time and remember that really what matters is people coming to know and serve you. Be freed by your grace. Enter into union with us through the blood of your Son. In whose name we pray, amen.